Hello and welcome to the Basement Talk Fantasy Show, is I believe the name that we're going with. Working title. We're, we're, working, working title. title. <laughs> yeah, I still got to get I the... Would, uh, I, would, I would just do it over and I would say the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. Okay. Welcome to the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. Our podcast title is getting longer and longer by the episode. God damn it, Bird, you're trying to make me run out of breath before we even start the show. I apologize, Mr. Caster, is what I am best at in terms of breaking your balls, number one. And number two, making sure this is as long-winded of an introduction as possible. Because yes, it is the revival of a Adam and Bird fantasy show. And this is absolutely fantastic news. Yes. This is phenomenal, phenomenal news. Mr. Birdsell, how are you doing? How was your weekend? We're recording this on Monday, July 13th. So, Well, I'm obviously doing wonderful because, yes, the the gang is back together for another uh, fantasy football show. This was a much requested idea that we start up talking about fantasy football because who the fuck knows what's going to happen. But... Well, the NFL, they, uh, yeah, they released their face shield or their mouth guard, mouth shield, whatever they're calling it. Yeah, and J.J. Watt, and J.J. Watt said he wouldn't play if he has to wear a mask. But that's an entirely different story. Um, I'm good. My weekend was okay. Okay. And then, and then Sunday happened. And the North London Derby happened. Um, yeah. Yeah, we don't need to talk about that too much. But other than that, I'm good. Are we I'm, talking? Uh, we talking football? Football? <laughs> we talking football? Talking football, Adam? Yes. Uh, I'm, weekend, I'm, yeah. I'm sure you're having you're having a uh, a very very good day considering uh, Man City's result for their uh, UEFA appeal. Yes, I am. And before I go in, I had a great weekend. Also, I went to my uh, one of my friends for a socially distant barbecue. Ooh, which is pretty fun. That's he, very uh, fun. Yeah, he. We had uh, chicken thighs and hamburgers and corn. Oh, oh, God, Adam. It's 5.30. I want to just have dinner, and you're talking about food right now? whole bit. I know. I'm oh. having hamburgers for dinner tonight, actually. I'm having burgers for dinner, too. What do you know? What do you know? What do you know? And so, yeah, that was a great, great time. And, yes, I'm very happy about this uh, Man City results in their appeal. And uh, Champions League football is here. For the next two years. Uh, can we say officially rest in peace to financial fair play, FFP? Yes. The, yes, uh, it is dead. Literally, I, this, this rule is probably the most... Mind-boggling. Like, makes yes. no sense. Never did. Never will. Useless. Awful. Yeah, all of the above. It makes sense in a vacuum, but then you realize the implications that teams actually can't escape their like where they are financially if they have to keep spending to uh to break even because i because liverpool and man city can spend more money and break even 
than a club like Barnet or Blackpool or Bolton, who are basically like half dead. So, True. yeah. And also, I mean, the, the fact that PSG was able to do what they did and sign Kylian Mbappe on a quote-unquote loan for a year so they wouldn't have to – and then sign Neymar for $200 million in that same summer just so – and have that loan, quote-unquote loan, for Mbappe happen just so they wouldn't get uh, – Flagged for an FFP violation? Accosted by the FFP police. <laughs> yes. And I mean, teams have just been in such flagrant disregard of this rule – Basically, I think this rule really was is gatekeeping. It's gatekeeping for teams like to keep teams like Man City, like Wolves, like probably Newcastle eventually when their Saudi takeover goes through. If 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 let's hope if, Jesus doesn't. Yeah, exactly. Let's hope common sense prevails. Right. And Hope they like keep those teams, those new teams out, so that the old guard that have been around and have been successful for a hundred years, over a hundred years, and keep them in power. And let's be real here: whether or not it happened in two thousand eight or nineteen oh eight, every team, every team's success was in in soccer has been based on a large influx of money. It's definitely more prominent now because of inflated transfers and player wages and things like that. But even back in the day, you not like, well, basically after the, uh, when the transfer system was really implemented in the early 1900s, that was like, you know, it kind of, it kind of shifted the balance. And like, even especially like you saw, you know, like in Italy, uh, Roma and Lazio were the top dogs until um, the until Serie A turned pro, and then all the rich clubs from Milan and Turin started to uh, flop their cash around. And I see, I see a lot has changed from the early 1900s to today in terms of the prominent clubs in the Serie A. Yeah, a lot, a lot has changed. A lot has changed. Well, maybe with the exception of uh, of Atalanta, but yeah. uh, other, other than well, that, I mean, yeah, Lazio is in second place as out of t- as of time of recording. But still, like it's like Ju- Juventus is on pace to win their ninth straight title or tenth straight title. Yeah. So, and it's been a long time since a non-Milan or Turin team has won Serie A. The last club. To win the Serie A that is not named Juventus, AC Milan, Internazionale, Roma, or Lazio was Samp, Sampdoria, in 1991. Wow. Yeah. But that is saying a lot. Yes, it is. But uh, just quickly, just quickly wrapping up before we get to the uh, the actual point of this podcast and not make it sound like, you know, this is a football podcast, not a football podcast. Um, you know, there really shouldn't be a punishment, though, for clubs that are backed by 
owners that have a lot of money. I mean, you look at, I mean, I can only speak from what I know my club does. And I know that um, our owner, Stan Kroenke of KSE, who own Arsenal, uh, they just spent a hundred million or so to pay off our stadium, pay off the Emirates. It's done. Paid off, finished. Kroenke also said, take the 50 million that you were going to spend to partially pay it off, whatever was left, and put that in the bank to reinvest back into the club. And now KSC are also going to go and try and take out somewhere in between two to 300 million in a loan that could then go to Arsenal to help keep the club afloat. Because these are troubling times for, for everybody. You know, I don't think that there's one club out there really with everything that's going on in terms of the five letter V word that, you know, that they're not hurting. Everybody is, you know, it's just a matter of fact. So, um, Man City, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say that they got off easy, because there's just there, there's never really been a foundation for what FFP has ever represented. There was it had no standing whatsoever, and former Arsenal manager Arsene Wenger really did say it best in 2015 when he said that FFP financial fair play was dead, and those words have never been more true as they are today. Well, because other, with this yeah. with this ruling, right or wrong, no matter how you feel about it, FFP is officially dead. Yes. And the last point is I think for FFP, it shouldn't – I felt like Man City were sort of like – I mean, this is conspiracy theory talk, but it's like I feel like the, this was like a losing fight. If, we, if Man City didn't go to the court for arbitration of sport, because basically, the F- when you find when you're found in violation or breach of FFP, you go into UEFA's kangaroo court, where they're judged. It's exactly how it's described. It, it's a fucking zoo. Yeah, and like this is something that happened years ago that Man City have already been fined for. Also, that they're bringing up. I don't know what the hell the motivation is either to make an example out of this club because obviously they don't, they don't want to do anything to PSG because their owner is on the, uh, on the board for UEFA. The competition committee for UEFA. Yeah. Yeah. Cause FIFA's FIFA and UEFA are so corrupt. Corrupt Adam, please. The crazy the thing way, is the way that they would describe it is it's business as usual. Yes. The, the crazy thing is seeing all the people on social media who are saying that Man City paid off the court for arbitration of sport. And that's just, that's just a lot of, that's just a lot of pissed off Chelsea, Man United, Leicester, Arsenal, Wolves, Sheffield United, and Spurs fans, quite frankly. Yes. Do they know how arbitration works? Do they know how courts work? You can't just pay off a court. An arbitrary, well, like a third party. Yes, you can, but you well, can't just, <laughs> well, Adam. Yes, you can. You can't just you can't just do that, like a like this is the highest appellate court in the land for sports. You can't just pay them off in this situation. Are you happy you got your little spiel in about Man City? Mm-hmm. So you re- you're ready to talk some uh, some actual football? Yes. 
Yes, I am. Okay. This is great. I, I feel back in light. This is like a cozy sweater you haven't Jesus. worn in a while. Jesus. Talking fantasy football. Oh, I thought you were talking about knowing that Man City win the Champions League. Oh, no. Oh, okay. So, yes, I, I feel like we are back in our, in our little uh, – in our this is our niche, Adam. Yeah. We're going to bring back a little segment from the normal Based and Talk podcast. We're going to be doing one quick question, and here's how this is going to work. I'm going to give you a question, and we're going to answer it, and we're going to discuss it. So, are you ready for the question that I have? I am. Okay. Out of these three running backs for this upcoming season, who would you rather have? And they're all going in the same range. Mm-hmm. Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb, or Josh Jacobs? I'd rather have Josh Jacobs. The, these two, these all three of these running backs are great picks for fantasy football. Which I mean it makes sense that they're going in that sort of range, and a lot of these situations that these running backs have are similar in the sense that they're not the guy in the offense. They're not the only person, the only like good player in their offense now. Because you, because the Bengals, they have AJ Green, T Higgins, Joe Burrow, and Joe Mixon. There you go. The Browns have Other Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, Baker Mayfield, and and Nick Chubb, and Kareem Hunt, and Kareem Hunt also. And the Raiders, they have Derek Carr, Josh Jacobs, and Henry Ruggs III. And and Tyra Williams and Darren Waller. Yeah, and Darren Waller and Tyra Williams. So I would rather have Josh Jacobs because I think think he had a better season than the other two of those those running backs last year. And also the the good thing about the Raiders' offense is that Josh Jacobs doesn't really have to share the ball with a lot of other players, especially not in the backfield. He's just that the guy. Because you know, like for Cleveland, Kareem Hunt is going to get is going to want carries, a bunch of carries, and receptions too, and, and receptions, receptions too. So for for PPR, it's uh, going to hurt Chubb a little bit. So for me, it's like a tie between like I'm kind of flip flopping between Joe Mixon and Josh Jacobs, but I, I definitely I'd rather have Josh Jacobs just because of last season you know i think the point that you make about chubb is is a really good one because i think we saw what happened when kareem hunt came back last season from suspension uh nick chubb was not really a part of the passing game for the cleveland browns as much so really if you do turn him into a guy that is not going to be very favorable in ppr like a derrick henry sort of type then nick chubb's value is going to definitely take a hit for me, it really does come down to Joe Mixon or Josh Jacobs. And I think what separates them for me is I'm actually going the opposite way of you, Adam. I, I, I would rather have Joe Mixon. But what a shock. I, I, yeah, what a big shock. I know he's my son. But I think that Josh Jacobs, and I'm not saying it there, that the three of them are, are terrible picks. You know, I'm not going to say, oh, you know, if you want Nick Chubb over them, I'm not going to say you're crazy or anything like that. I think these guys are real, real, real talents. I think each of them is going to have really a really, really good season, pending that there is one and pending that one finishes. But we digress anyway. We stay positive. There's going to be football, and it's going to finish, and we're all going to be living in a little wonderland. Must be nice being that optimistic. Oh, it hurts. <laughs> With Josh Jacobs, 
it's no secret that the Raiders do want to get him the ball more, and they want to include hit the passing game into Josh Jacobs and what he can do. We already know what kind of runner he is. He was a standout running back at Alabama. Then last year's rookie year with the Raiders, he was very, very good. Now when they're going into a new stadium in Las Vegas, they are going to have to really try and stand out to make the Raiders you know, seem cool and appealing to a Las Vegas sports crowd, which, let's face it, really embraced the Golden Knights because the Golden Knights were so successful in their first season going to a Stanley Cup final. Do we really see the Raiders going to a Super Bowl in year one? Definitely Oof. not. Bold of you to assume that there's a crowd. There's going to be a crowd that the it, Raiders will be playing in front of also. True. True. But even even just watching. Even no, just I know. Watching I'm just in the, fucking in with the, you. I'm aware. I'm aware. You're doing a great job <laughs> at it. In the local Las Vegas market, you need to make the Raiders appealing. I think one of those guys that can really make the Raiders very appealing is Josh Jacobs because he is a, he is a really an unbelievable talent. But for me, what it comes down to is you know how I like to play fantasy, Adam. You know how I like to play. I like guys to have a very, very safe floor. And I think Joe Mixon offers that floor in terms of what he's going to get in carries and what he's going to get in receptions. I think we saw what Joe Burrow did last season with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at LSU, that Joe Burrow does like to incorporate the running backs into the passing game. Yes, is Giovanni Bernard still there? He is. So he is? That, <laughs> he is. So that that might hurt, might hurt Joe Mixon a, t- a teeny tiny bit, but I think it's no secret, no secret to Cincinnati Bengals that coach Zach Taylor that Joe Mixon is the best running back that he has got on his roster. And he is going to have to make that Joe Mixon, Joe Burrow connection really work. And the way that he does that is to incorporate Joe Mixon into the passing game more, give his quarterback, his fresh new quarterback, his shiny new toy, the guy that is going to either make him successful in Cincinnati or not, Zach Taylor with Joe Burrow, you're going to need to get him a safety blanket. And his safety blanket probably is, in fact, going to be Joe Mixon. And you look at the offensive line for Cincinnati, one of the things that really does help them is that they're getting their first-round pick from last year, Jonah Williams. He is going to be back this year after missing the entirety of last year. So that's going to be another healthy body along that offensive line that did make some strides last year but still needed to really improve. But you look at what the Cincinnati Bengals offense has to offer. If A.J. Green is healthy, if Tyler Boyd continues to do what he did, if John Ross can be a contributing part of this offense, there are a lot of moving parts for the Bengals. And this could be a high-powered offense in no time. And that's why I kind of like Joe Mixon here as, as the pick. But it really, it really comes down to you know what you're, uh, what you're really after. If you're looking for a guy that has a safe floor, I think you really lean towards Nick Chubb. I think if you're looking for a guy that is the more complete running back, the guy that could potentially be the one to carry your fantasy team, I think that's Joe Mixon. But if you're looking for the guy that can be a top five running back and can burst through the ceiling and be the next superstar in fantasy football, that might be Josh Jacobs. So I think each of these guys definitely offers something a little bit different for your teams. And they're and these are guys that are all going in the same range. These guys are going in the middle of the second round. So 
you're really gonna have to make a choice with these with these guys when uh, when you hit your uh, your draft day. But these are three guys that I like a lot. These are three guys that I'm definitely targeting in in mocks that I've done. And um, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see each of them uh, step step forward and uh, play on on the field this season. Well, I think. Would you agree with me saying that I think we'll see at least one of these running backs on a championship team, on fantasy championship teams? Oh, yeah. Come come the end of the season? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Definitely not both because that would be crazy. But Well, if you're, if you're getting both – if you're getting two out of these three, then God bless you. Yeah. You're playing in a strange league, and I want to know what what league you're in. Unless you're taking unless you're taking one of them in the first round, because I've seen some some mocks where Joe Mixon's been going in the first round. I mean, if you want, if you're getting like both of them on the swing, then maybe I. It's a possibility. It is a possibility, definitely. Because this year, this year, a, a lot of people are probably going to want to go very running back heavy, just to make sure that they have their running backs locked in. So mm-hmm. it wouldn't surprise me one bit to see a team in the back end just say, you know what? I'll pair Derrick Henry with a Joe Mixon. I'll take Joe Mixon and I'll take Nick Chubb too. I'll take Joe Mixon. I'll take Josh Jacobs. I'll take Nick Chubb. I'll pair him with Austin Eckler, Miles Sanders, Aaron Jones. Wouldn't, wouldn't shock me one bit. No, it would not shock me one bit either. So, news and notes time, and we kind of alluded to this, that it's going to be Chief-centric, or Super Bowl 53 or 4-T-centric. It's going to be it's going to be Chiefs and 49ers-centric. That's what it's going to be. And the first thing, this is like the big news that was happening last week with Patrick Mahomes with his mega, 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 mega contract. that honestly is pretty crazy in the sense that like, listen, Patrick Holmes is, has potential to be like new Joe Montana. Like, I think people, people can agree with that. Like greatest of all time. You mean Tom Brady? I'd love nothing more than for somebody to kick Tom Brady off of the, off of that mountaintop. And he, have Tom Brady hit his head on every rock coming down. Yikes. But still, this is like a this is a 10-year contract for a uh, for a quarterback that has a like a minor injury history. He did tear his ACL slightly uh, last year, he missed a couple games or did he even miss any games? He missed saw he missed like a some time. Yeah, with, he missed. I mean, he still won the Super Bowl, but like, yeah, he still won, he still won the Super Bowl. Uh, he missed two games. Yeah. Well, the other thing is that if this was baseball, this is basketball, or hockey, I I'd be going a lot more nuts than normally, or that I am now because. As we know, football contracts are not guaranteed, not fully guaranteed. So um, this contract, it looks cool. Like it looks exciting on paper, 
five hundred plus million dollars. Yeah, but it's like how much money is Patrick Mahomes actually going to see in this contract? Because I think from what I've been he- from what I've heard, that this contract has a lot of opt outs. For yes, it does for the Chiefs. Yes, it does. So there's a chance that if, it, that if Patrick Mahomes, God forbid, knock on wood, falls off a cliff and turns into Rex Grossman. Yikes. Then, yeah, I know. I, I know. I like shudder to think about it. But if that, if that unfortunate circumstance happens, if his powers get, get sapped by the Monstars or whatever, then the Chiefs have an opt-out. And they're like, fuck it, we're going to go with Matt Moore or draft another, or draft another quarterback. So in terms of, uh, in terms of fantasy, where are you taking Patrick Mahomes? First overall, no, I'm just kidding. Can you imagine? I'm sure somebody in some draft is going to take Patrick Mahomes first overall. Let me, I'll ask you this instead. Okay. Who would you rather have, Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson? I'd rather have Patrick Mahomes. I'd rather have Patrick Mahomes as well. Okay. Where would you take Patrick Mahomes? I would take Patrick Mahomes. Mm, second or third round. Probably third round. Ah, uh, Christ. I think I think in most drafts you're going to see Mahomes probably start to be thought about in the late second, early third. Because I'd rather have my running backs first. Right, right. For for me, I mean, Adam, you know me well enough by now. You, we've played in too many fantasy leagues together where you know my whole philosophy when it comes to, to quarterbacks. Anybody that has listened to the required radio fantasy show knows how I feel about quarterbacks, that I'm just not of the mold to want to go and invest heavy in a top quarterback in anything that's before the fourth round that just it scares me way too much knowing that i'd rather have a core position in a running back receiver or an elite tight end namely travis kelsey or george kittle um but in hindsight i would also think that at the end at the end of the day when you're talking about what patrick mahomes can provide i think patrick mahomes can be a groundbreaking kind of player for your fantasy team in the third or in the third or fourth round i really really do i agree no yeah definitely definitely he has you know like i think maybe it was one of the shows that we did last year where we were saying this is after patrick Holmes' first breakout season his breakout season 2018 where where we were saying like it was like peyton manning when he had a, he threw his like 50, 53 touchdowns in twenty thirteen, people were gonna people were drafting him in like the second round. Yeah, but it's it's different because Mahomes, you feel Patrick like Mahomes, Mahomes also has the rush the rushing talent, which yeah, is but and he's also still on the up. That's what yeah. people that's what people also don't understand. That's crazy. Is that is that Patrick Mahomes still has so much room to grow? The guy is twenty four years old. Listen, I don't know if you get this reference. I don't know how many listeners will get this reference. I mean, it's pretty well known, but like, it's like Dragon Ball Z, where it's like, this isn't my final form. This isn't even my final form. He still has to go. He still has a ways to go. He's not. He's not evolved yet. He hasn't no. gotten. He has not gotten that evolution yet. He is 24 years old. It's it's the same thing with Lamar Jackson. 
Lamar Jackson is 23 years old. These guys have not even hit their peak. And yes, I understand that Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes are not the same kind of quarterback. I understand that they're two different kinds of unicorns. I mean, how much farther, how much more, how much better can you possibly be? You're going to throw for fucking 60 touchdowns? You're going to throw for 6,000 yards? I mean, I was the one that was saying Patrick Mahomes was not going to be the same number one quarterback last year. And if he did not miss those two games, he was on pace to do that. Patrick Mahomes would have won the MVP again if he did not miss those two games. I mean, that's just the kind of talent that we're talking about with Patrick Mahomes. I mean, I I couldn't even give you a projection with him that I feel would be right or accurate. And same goes for Lamar Jackson. I think maybe if you're talking and and this is this is just a stab in the dark honestly but maybe if you want to talk about Patrick Mahomes i could say that and this could be on the light side honestly he could be a 4600 yard passer maybe 35 touchdowns and maybe Lamar Jackson Lamar Jackson i i, I don't see him being a 1000 yard rusher again but can he be 900 yes he can can he get you five six seven rushing touchdowns absolutely he can but then you add what he can do with his arm if the passing is still what it was he could be a 3500 to 3800 yard passer and he can get you 30 touchdowns very very easily i think with the contract as it is with all of the like safety mechanisms, safeguards in there for the Chiefs, if things go, if things get fucky, this is this is a great move for them. It's a safe contract in hindsight. Yeah, because guess what? You have your guy that you're going to invest long term in. But if it doesn't work out for whatever reason, you have outs there. It's yeah. it's kind of like you don't want to have like a Jay Cutler situation where you sign no. a guy to to a mega contract and you have to like. You're stuck with it. Yes. It's it's kind of in a way, it's not it's not the same thing by any stretch, but it's kind of it's kind of like what the Cowboys just did when they gave Amari Cooper the five year hundred million dollar extension. The Cowboys front loaded that contract so heavily that if it doesn't work out at the end of year two, they can cut Amari Cooper and they'll be fine. They're all, it's only gonna count a couple million towards their cap and that's it. I mean, they just Whereas, kind of did that with Lev Bell also. Right, exactly. Whereas now with the Chiefs, the Chiefs, there are several opt-outs. There's several performance-related bonuses that are put into that contract. His base salary really isn't that substantial either. A lot of, a lot of the, sal- the, the money that Patrick Mahomes is going to make, at least in the early part of that contract, is, was converted into a roster bonus. So – that's basically where a lot of his money is going to come from. Now, the later the later years of that contract, yeah, it, it, it gets dicey. It absolutely does. But if you're talking about Patrick Mahomes and what his career trajectory could be, you're talking about you're paying a 34, 35-year-old quarterback $30-something million with what he can potentially be. If the Chiefs get three, four Super Bowls out of Mahomes, I don't think they're going to care, no. quite honestly. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't either. 
I literally, literally, I would kill for a quarterback like that. I think thirty-one other teams would. Give me a time. Give me, give me a name. Give me a place. Probably as long as you know, just to get Patrick Mahomes, I'd do it. So the next thing, we're we're sticking in Kansas City, Missouri, and we're talking about Tyree Kill. Thankfully, it's actually like a good thing that we get to talk about with Tyree Kill. My favorite player. Yeah, so he wants for all for all of those that, do, that don't know or are lost with the uh, the snarky comment that I just made. Uh, I'm not the biggest Tyreek Hill fan. That sandwich was great, by the way. I'm so great. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, the one catch for eight yards, the one time that I back up Tyreek Hill on something against the Raiders, against the fucking Raiders. Christ. You want to continue this so we can just yes, move, yes. move on? Because I, I hate talking about him. Okay. Well, he wants to – he, in his inflated ego, coming off of a Super Bowl ring, said that he's going to be a 2,000-yard a receiver. And I want to go to the moon. Yes. And, and I, I want to go to the fucking moon. And I want to play video, get paid to play video games all day. You look at the offense that the Chiefs have. The only reason that Calvin Johnson was able to set the record for most receiving yards in the season. Because he was the only guy in Detroit that could do a fucking thing. Yes. He was the only, he was the only player in, on the lines with two working hands. Yeah. That's a damning thing to say, but it is the truth. <laughs> yep. Thank poor God, Nate, you know, poor Nate Burleson. <laughs> Poor Nate Burleson. You're just throwing the man under the bus. He's done well for himself. I would say so. Yeah. Sitting next to uh, Kay Adams on Good Morning Football. Hmm. What a treat. Anyway. <laughs> Any, anywho. So, yeah, Terry Kills is, I don't know. I don't know. I want whatever optimism he's on if he thinks he's going to be. 2000 yard receiver. I challenge I challenge any any listener that is out there. If you believe that Tyree Kill genuinely is I'm saying 100% genuinely is going to be the first 2000 yard receiver in the National Football League, hit me up on my DMs. I'll leave I'll leave a link to all my all my stuff in the description. I I think that DeAndre Hopkins, I can name a couple of receivers who have a better chance of being a 2,000-yard receiver than Tyreek Hill. As can I. Yes. Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams. Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins. Julio. Julio Jones. That's it. Yeah, that's it. I mean, think – Small group. Small group. But – Here's the thing. Not only is Tyreek Hill notoriously – sketchy in the sense that he inconsistent throughout his, uh, throughout his career, as far as what he's going to give you every single week, because we, any Tyreek Hill fantasy football owner knows that he can have 500 passing yards and three touchdowns one week or 500 receiving yards and three catching receiving touchdowns one week, and then have one catch for eight yards the week after. Adam, you're preaching to the choir. Yes. Agreeing, both, agreeing like this is, is all the time. It's not fun. I know. It's not fun. But 
the Tyreek Hill fantasy owners out there are only going to remember the eight catches for 175 yards and two touchdowns. The one for eight that he will put up, that eh, doesn't matter. It does when it's a playoff game. Yes, it does. When he was your number one receiver and you don't have anybody else, it yeah, matters. The guy is supposed to be bailing you out. Yeah. Or when it's Sunday Night Football and you need, like, three points to beat, to, uh, beat somebody and he has one catch for, like – For eight yards? For eight yards, yeah. 1.8? Yeah. I think – It's not getting the job done. If it's 2,000 all-purpose yards, I would be fine with that because that's easy because he's a returner. True. And he, and he can run the football. That's fine. Yes, he can. I can I – can, he can get behind that. Yes. 2,000 all-purpose yards, definitely. You know how hard it is to even get 2,000 rushing yards? Very. Only about four players have ever gotten 2,000 rushing yards. Adrian Peterson, Chris Johnson, Eric Dickerson, and Sean Alexander. Correct. Very good. There you go. Very good. So, yeah. And... Running the ball is easy. All you do is hand the ball off. That's some running it. back, some running backs would disagree. Yeah, no. Well, it's easier than receiving. Some running backs would disagree. <laughs> I, I wouldn't want to be uh, getting yardage as a running back is easy. I would not want to be tr- tackled potentially by a three hundred pound defensive lineman. Well, here's the thing. Also, is that the volume for running backs is is such that it's easy for them to accumulate yards, especially if they're on a good team where you're running the ball to end the game. A la Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah. Because Tyree Kill, like once the Chiefs are up by 30, you're just giving the ball to Damian Williams and now uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He's just going for a nice stroll while uh, Damian Williams and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is uh, while they're icing the game, potentially. Right, exactly. So... All, all, all valid points. Yeah, I, I can't get behind this. Not, not by a long shot. He could dream. Yeah, we all, we all have dreams. Oh yes, we do. Uh, is there anything else you want? We'd like to talk about. Uh, we talk about Raheem Mostert really quick. Let's do that. So Raheem Mostert, the running back for the San Francisco 49ers will soon not be the running back for the San Francisco 49ers because he's yes, the he will. He's, trade. He's not getting traded. He just got a freaking contract extension. He's not going anywhere. He's going to be the running back for the 49ers. Silly headline. Mm-hmm. It is. I will, I will bet you my life that Raheem Mostert is a member of the 49ers come week one. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll shed a lot I'll shed a tear when I have to kill you. Because he's not gonna be on the 49ers. <laughs> well, if if he is, then you might be having a conversation with my uh, with my soul on one of these episodes. Damn. Yeah. Does heaven have good reception? Do you have is there Wi Fi? I'll, I'll need to have that conversation with St. Peter. Well good thing that God splurged on the Wi Fi. <laughs> The f- the free hotspots they're just they're everywhere they're everywhere. I'm I'm pretty sure heaven heaven just looks like where it's it's Sunday every day you're sitting on the couch watching Red Zone and hell looks like you're doing mock dress every day. Oh man, yeah, it no, that doesn't look too great. No, it doesn't. 
I mean, if I keep threatening to kill you, then I might end up having to do mock drafts for the rest of the afterlife. <laughs> you want to start going to the divisions? Yes, let's do that. All right. So we are talking about the AFC East to start, and we're going to alphabetical order with the Buffalo Bills. And we're going to start off with the probably one of the most fantasy relevant players on the Buffalo Bills, your boy, your favorite, Josh Allen. My boy. Yes. Adam, you want to tell me that I was right about Josh Allen? Not yet. What does he have to do? Gets to rush for a thousand yards. Oh Christ! In a season. Oh Christ! Win the Super Bowl. And then, I'll move, and then after that happens, I'm going to move the goalpost further back. So yeah. Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! I'll tell you what he's he's turning out to be a great prospect. Yeah. A great a great player. I think the thing with Josh Allen though, for is his for accuracy season, also. Well, the accuracy, yes, that is definitely an issue. But he also has the 31st-ranked strength of schedule. That's the second-hardest strength schedule for quarterbacks going into this year. And you look at what the defenses of the AFC East have done. Uh, The Jets will be coming back with a fully healthy defense. The Patriots still have Stephon Gilmore there. And then you look at what the the Dolphins have done. Xavier Howard and Byron Jones are going to be lining up on both sides of the field for the Dolphins. That is an unbelievable corner duo in Miami. But I think what Josh Allen really offers, we saw it last year, is well, plus, he, plus he has to play against the Rams and the Seahawks. Right. You're not, you're not even you're not even looking you're not we're not even talking about what he has to do going outside his division. Yeah. Uh, you, you're you're hundred percent right about that. But what I think Josh Allen offers in terms of his upside is with his legs and we we've really seen what happens and what kind of value you do get when you have a quarterback that's mobile and can get you those rushing touchdowns and can get you the ability to run from for some for first downs and for additional yards that's what Josh Allen does i think that the numbers that we saw from Josh Allen last year in terms of his overall rushing ability i don't really think those numbers are going to hold up yeah, he had 510 yards rushing on 109 attempts, but the number I think is definitely going to come down is the nine touchdowns, the nine rushing touchdowns. That number is no doubt going to come down. Because the question is, yeah. what what is it going to come down to? Right. Because Josh Allen, like the Bills have running backs now. Josh Allen doesn't have to do it himself. Exactly. Exactly. And you, and you don't want to put your quarterback – in that position going up against the talented defenses that he's going to be going up against. You want to get you know, your the, clavicle broken by Jamal Adams. Or by Aaron Donald. Yeah. Or by any of the 49ers defensive linemen. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, what I, what I really see at a Josh Allen, quite honestly, is I think that this is, this is someone that's very, very capable of being a 3,600-yard passer. I think he can get you 20 touchdowns, which is what he got you last year. He had 20 touchdowns and nine interceptions last year. And I think he can get you some nice bonuses with the rushing yards and the rushing touchdowns, but I don't really expect him to be a nine-touchdown sort of guy. I think he could settle around six or seven, and he'd be okay with that. And at the end of the day, 
the thing with Josh Allen and Adam, I think you would absolutely agree with this, is that he's very volatile in terms of fantasy because you, you don't know what you're going to get with him. So my recommendation for anybody that does have Josh Allen or in a keeper league or that is going to be drafting Josh Allen, like I do, I have Josh Allen in my keeper league and I'm going to be keeping him. And I am very, very, very interested in going and getting another quarterback that I can pair with Josh Allen, where he has good matchups, you play Josh Allen. If he doesn't have good matchups, you sit Josh Allen. Just plain and simple. Yep. My one question with Josh Allen is, I think, do you think teams are going to key so heavily on Josh Allen's running ability that they're going to say, Josh Allen, you need to beat me with your arm. And Josh Allen's throwing has not caught up to his running, I feel like. And maybe he might falter in that sort of way. It's fair. It, it, I guess that very, was more of a statement than a question. It, it's a very, no, it's a very, it's a very valid point. But I mean, you look, you look at his schedule, Adam, and you know, you made a good point in terms of going and breaking down his schedule. Listen to his fantasy playoff schedule. The Steelers, the Broncos, and the Patriots on Monday night, championship week. That's really tough. And I don't think I don't think anybody is going to be starting Josh Allen against the Patriots unless you absolutely have to. Yeah. And look, we don't know what the Patriots are going to look like. That's a whole nother conversation for another day. The defense is still going to be good. Yeah. Odds are the defense is still going to be good because, yes, Bill Belichick is still there. But you really trust Josh Allen to go to Gillette and no. on Monday night and take Fuck on no. the Patriots? Fuck, Fuck no. no. It, when they could be contesting for a playoff spot? Fuck no. Fuck no. No, thank you. They had Jared Stedham at quarterback still, maybe. But now they have Cam Newton. Fuck maybe. no. Maybe. And we'll talk about Cam Newton too. Just a little yeah. Bit. No, exactly. So, speaking of – Potential players are going to be shut down on that Monday night game by Stefan Gilmore. Stefan Diggs, spelled differently, but he is the number one receiver in Buffalo along with John Brown. Well, John Brown's number two, but Stefan Diggs. Yeah. yeah, but Stefan Diggs is number one. John Brown was number one last year. But Stefan Diggs, great addition in this offseason. Feels like it was so long ago that that trade happened. Really does. Yeah, it does. I mean, the one thing, though, with Stephon Diggs that does kind of scare me is we talked about it, the schedule that he has going up against Jalen Ramsey, going up against Richard Sherman, going up against Zamian Howard slash Byron Jones, going up against Stephon Gilmore. These are really tough corners, and we're going to see what Stephon Diggs is really capable of. But he's going to a new place where he should be able, honestly, to produce wide receiver one numbers. Ideally, mm-hmm. but my real question is going to be, of course, that strength of schedule is very, very tough for him, and it de- it definitely shows. I mean, I would not be comfortable with drafting, drafting Stephon Diggs until the fifth round. There are a ton of receivers that are in and around his, his area in my rankings, which we will be talking about rankings soon enough, but there are a bunch of receivers in and around that area that I like more than Stephon Diggs. And I'll just read out a few. DK Metcalf. I like DK Metcalf a whole hell of a lot more. T.Y. Hilton. I like T.Y. Hilton a whole lot more. 
DJ Chark. I like DJ Chark more. AJ Green. That's really where the debate kind of starts. Ooh, yeah. That's that's the line. I don't know. I wouldn't. Mm. But the other the other guys definitely, definitely, definitely. But you have like AJ Green, Jarvis Landry, Julian Edelman. I'd rather have Jarvis Landry. Than... Yeah, they're back to back for me. Jarvis yeah. Landry and Stephon Diggs. Well, the interesting thing is that in Minnesota, I feel like you know Jar or uh, Stephon Diggs was overshadowed by Adam Thielen. True. A lot of the times. True. And I guess Minnesota's like, well, you know, let's get a free, let's get a first round pick. We we have our number one wide receiver in Adam Thielen. So I let, get, me, let yeah. me ask you, Adam. I didn't mean to cut you off. I apologize. No, no problem. Do you see Stephon Diggs being a thousand yard receiver? Yes, but barely. Okay. All right. I, I'm saying no. I don't uh, see Steph- I don't see Stephon Diggs being a thousand yard receiver. I think he's gonna be close. I think he's gonna be very close, but I don't think he's a thousand yard receiver. Because with Josh Allen's throwing ability and with the fact that uh, John Brown, he already has the ca- – Josh Allen already has the chemistry with uh, John Brown. And, you know, with how training camps and how everything's going to be with the five-letter V word and five-letter C word also. Yeah. Uh, there isn't going to be as much time to develop a rapport with Stefan Diggs – as there would be in normal circumstances. True. And I think they could, they could very easily uh, lean very heavily on the running game, which we will talk about, I would assume, next. Yes, let's, let's do that. Talk about Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. I, I think Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, I think it's going to be a, a, a nice one-two punch for, uh, for the Bills. I mean, Devin Singletary, I like his talent. I like his talent a lot. And I think he can be the standalone guy, but I think that, Bill's head coach, Sean McDermott, has made it very clear that he doesn't see Devin Singletary as a standalone bell cow back. And I don't really think he is either. I think that Devin Singletary kind of falls for me in like the 900 yards rushing, four or five touchdown sort of range. Like I could see him potentially racking up 40 to 50 catches. Maybe that might be in the high side a little bit, but I think what hurts Singletary a little bit is Josh Allen could get a lot of those keeps and he could get those rushing touchdowns. That's why I think can definitely could definitely hurt Devin Singletary. And they're all going to want to also give Zach Moss a little bit of a run as well. Where Singletary kind of falls though is interesting because I think his ceiling is, is pretty high when all, all is said and done, but I also think Singletary's floor is not as high as some other guys that are in his range, talking the Kareem Hunts, Raheem Mostert's of the world, who I think have much safer floors than Devin Singletary does. So he's one of those guys that definitely interests me, but he's not a guy that I'm really going to go out of my way to go and get on, on draft day. I don't know how you feel about him, Adam, but He's just not a guy that really stands out in a big way for me, but he definitely, in terms of those tier four, tier five-ish running backs, he can he can be a cheap option if you go wide receiver heavy or if you take one of those 
the one of the big tight ends or quarterback, and you need to fill out your roster with a running back that can be an RB2 or a flex for you, Devin Singletary can be that guy. Yeah, no, he's not like reach worthy for me. No. I, would, I wouldn't like bet the bet my mortgage, bet the farm on put Devin the D, put the deed to your house on Devin Singletary being no. an elite running back. I would not do that. Okay. Uh, no, no. But uh, otherwise, let's move on. Let's go south to Florida or Florida as Flor- most, Florida. Florida as most Florida. people where we live say it because Long Island accents are funny. Yes, they are. <laughs> and man, the Dolphins, they what what a rebuild. It's uh, basically over, right? <laughs> sure. <laughs> so they have their quarterback of the future. They have Tua Tagovailoa if he's healthy, and that's a big if. It's an if the size of Texas. <laughs> yes, it is. And uh, they've revamped their running core. They have Jordan Howard. They traded for Matt Breida. They have two solid wide receivers in Devontae Parker and Preston Williams. But let's first start at the quarterback in Tua. This, or Ryan Fitzpatrick. Or Ryan Fitzpatrick. Don't you say that name in front of me. <laughs> Love him. Love him. He's a, he's a special, special man, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Started for almost all three quarters of the AFC East. I think that Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be the starter for this football team. I really do because I think, Adam, you make you make, just made the point that you don't know if two is healthy. And if there is no training camp, if there is an abbreviated version of what training camp could potentially be, then things get a little dicey for teams and rookies and, and any player that comes in with a potential medical red flag like Tua does. So it's going to take a pretty big leap of faith from anybody in the Dolphins medical staff that's going to give Tua a green flag, you know, you're ready to go for week one, week four, week six, whenever – when you don't really know how healthy he is after his hip surgery. So they took a chance on him, obviously. He is the quarterback for the future there, but they are not in a position where they are going to contend right away. And I think Ryan Fitzpatrick, if you're in a 2QB league, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is a very safe starting option. I think he can get you a ton of yards in garbage time, as we saw last year. This is the guy that lit up the stat sheet and one people fantasy leagues. Let's not forget Ryan Fitzpatrick, Devontae Parker connection. Devontae Parker we'll talk about in a minute. But I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is a very safe starting option in terms of Tua, however. He's a dynasty-only sort of play. Maybe if you want to reach for him in a keeper league, you could definitely do that. Those dynasty rookie drafts that have been going on, obviously Tua is going to be taken there. Um, I would not take Tua over Joe Burrow in a dynasty uh, rookie draft. But for me, Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be the starter in, in Miami. Yeah. I, I mean, Brian Flores is not pressured at all to nope. start Ryan Fitzpatrick or to start Tua over Ryan Fitzpatrick. Nope. And, you know, like you said, with the uh, abbreviated training camps and, the magnitude of the hip injury that Tua suffered when he was at Bama, it's, it's just not worth the risk. No, it's not. I agree. All right, moving on to the running backs. Sticking in the backfield, we have 
two castoffs in the backfield with Jordan Howard and Matt Breida. I mean, this is definitely an interesting sort of uh, situation we have going here where you misspoke for mess. Yeah. This is a disaster. We, we don't like tandems in fantasy football. Running back no. tandems, we do not like tandems. Especially ones that are of equal talent. God, no. Um, honestly, the difference between the two is minimal name. for me. Yeah. I mean, these are just these are plug-and-play sort of options for the Dolphins. I mean, they're, they have them. Just going to fill them right in, and they're going to let them run. That's it. For fantasy, however, I would not be trusting Jordan Howard in a PPR league. I would trust Matt Breida for that instance. But if you're looking for a guy that's going to get you starting reps, can get you goal line work, that's Jordan Howard. But if you're looking for a guy in PPR leagues, going to catch a ton of passes, that for me is Matt Breida. And I think Matt Breida... He could be a 40, 45 catch sort of guy. But other than that, I don't, I don't really see Matt Breida or Jordan Howard for that matter being much more than a flex. Yeah. I think Jordan Howard is pretty, pretty past it at this point. Yeah, I would say so. And for a player that doesn't really do anything for you in the receiving game, it's just like, ah, I don't know. It's kind of, it's pretty mad. I mean, they it's, not, be, it's not ideal. They can't all be winners. No, unfor- unfortunately not. But that's it. That's definitely one I think that we can uh, we can move on from. I think rather rather quickly that Jordan Howard and Matt Breida really are guys that you're rounding out your running back group with, and you know you're not really relying on them to uh, to be plug and play options. Although, as far as the pass catchers, I think Miami has a pretty solid set. Yes, they do, and they are worth talking about. Absolutely. Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, and Mike Gesicki. What a solid receiving core that they have. Very, very, very solid. And we saw what Ryan Fitzpatrick did with Mike Gesicki last year. When he really came in, he really did lean on Mike Gesicki a whole lot. I, I'm not, I have Mike Gesicki just outside my top 12 tight ends, but he definitely has room for more growth. I could see Mike Gesicki being a 60 to 65 catch tight end with the potential for more than that. If Ryan Fitzpatrick is the guy we can shift to talking about the receivers for Miami and Preston Williams had that terrible injury to end, to end the season. I could see him potentially being a factor for the dolphins, but he's not someone that I'm really going to go and go out of my way to try and make sure that I get potentially that guy for this offense could be Devontae Parker. And it's kind of scary to say that just because we all know the career that Devontae Parker has had up until last year when he started playing with Ryan Fitzpatrick, who would have thunk it. This is a guy that last year put up absolutely ridiculous numbers at the end of the season, he finished with 1,200 yards receiving, had nine touchdowns. His career high before last year was four touchdowns. He had never finished with 1,000 yards. He had never finished with more than four touchdowns up until last year. 
Where am I comfortable taking Devontae Parker, though? Now, that is the million-dollar question that I think that every fantasy owner will want to know because Devontae Parker, we've seen this happen before where guys, they come in, they have an unbelievable finish to the season. The Damian Williams syndrome, that's what we'll call it. The Damian Williams syndrome. They finish the year strong, then they come back the next season, and they stink. Devontae Parker could potentially be that guy this year. He could be. I view him as a high-end wide receiver three. I don't really trust him to be a go-to sort of starting option. Can he be a high-end flex or potentially a third wide receiver in a three wide receiver league? Sure, absolutely he can be, 100%. I kind of view him in the same range as I have Stephon Diggs, Jarvis Landry, A.J. Green, Julian Edelman as sort of the risky options that could give you some but will definitely potentially hurt you in other situations. So uh, Devontae Parker, for me, invest with severe, severe, severe caution. So let's move on to my favorite. I'm just kidding. They're not my favorite team. They're my least favorite team. New England, because we're in alphabetical order. So the Jets are last. Uh, insert joke there. But, this, is, uh, this is an interesting one. This, These Patriots. Yes. Yeah, don't call it a comeback for New England. I mean, they were, they were on the bottom of the mountain for about two months. And then they signed Cam Newton, and now they have the potential to uh, come shooting right back up again. Because Cam Newton, as we've seen, Cam Newton at his peak is a dangerous, dangerous weapon. Yes, but he has to prove that he's healthy. Yes. He had a shoulder that, problem, foot issues. Ankle. Ankle. Yeah. I mean, everything. It, everything. I mean, where wh- – before I even get into my spiel, where are you comfortable with taking Cam Newton? Because I don't have an answer. I thought you were going to say, where has Cam Newton not been hurt over his career? Uh, the answer is nowhere. Yeah. He's, been hurt. He's been hurt everywhere. But where am I comfortable taking Cam Newton? Whew. Uh, I can't give you a time. I'd say as far as like position, I – I'd be willing to, you know, like bi week fill in for Cam Newton. So you're not drafting him, is what you're telling me. Mm, no, no. Well, like I'll draft him as a backup. Okay. So you draft you would draft him in the late rounds. Yes. Okay. He'd be the first Patriot ever I'd ever have, I'd ever own in fantasy. Actually, if that was actually that would be a sight. If that would actually, if I would actually do that, if I'd follow up on my hypothetical um, thing, but yeah, honestly, Cam Newton can do a lot with with little. The running back core in New England is still solid. Uh, Julian Edelman, I mean, maybe he won't be the same without his boy, Tom Brady. I don't, I don't think he will be. No, I don't he think he'll be, be the same. He won't be the same, but he's still a solid enough receiver that 
Um, Cam Newton can do something with a high with high him. end wide receiver three for uh, for Edelman. Nikhil yeah. Harry is a has potential to to do pretty well in New England. Sure, we saw we saw what Cam Newton did with big bodied receivers in Carolina, namely Devin Funches. Yep, exactly. So, the important thing with the quarterback here is health. Yes, above all else. Correct. Yeah, I mean if. I mean, we'll talk about both the, both these both these guys, Stidham and Newton. If if it is Jared Stidham, who the Patriots seem to like a lot, and they do want to give him an opportunity to win the job, then the Patriots are you you cannot invest in New England in a high leverage sort of spot. You, you can't. If it's Cam Newton, however, then I would be okay with taking. Julian Edelman in like the sixth round. I'd be okay with taking James White in the seventh, eighth round. Sonny Michelle would be a little bit later than that. But you know, this is this is kind of what we're what we're talking about. You know, it's it's a little it's not it's not gonna be the same Patriots team that was just so easily investable for fantasy where it was a shoe in that the Patriots would be – we're talking Tom Brady would be a go-to starting option. Edelman would be one of the safest PPR options out there. Gronkowski would get you touchdowns. Hernandez would get you touchdowns. It's not It's not the same anymore. It, it just you, isn't. I mean, I think the only Patriots um, player or players that I would really invest in is the defense. That would be, feel comfortable investing in is the defense. Probably. Cons- considering the offenses that are in their division, not exactly the most high-powered of offenses. Depending. I mean, the schedule De- is depending still on, Depending on a lot of things, yeah. They still – I mean, the schedule is still pretty hard for New England. Sure. As with the entire AFCs. And we'll get there when we get to, uh, to the Jets. To the, but, New York, to the New York football Jets? Yes. Nobody calls them that. Nobody calls him that? No. Are, are you positive? Yeah. I mean, I, this is just it's, – it, it's a Patriots defense that when I look at a defense, I want to see who has the best fantasy playoff schedule. They play the Rams in L.A. They play the Dolphins. In Hard Rock, and then the Bills on Monday night. At Gillette, as we talked about. Yes. No, thank you. Yeah, no. They are, they're not a defense that I'm even remotely interested in. Yeah. Which is a shame, which, which really is a shame. I know. But someone, somebody will take a risk on the Patriots defense because of what they can be. And I understand it. I really do. I mean, because Bill Belichick's probably like one of the best defensive coordinators ever. So true. Um, yeah, but otherwise, I mean, we talked about the running backs a little bit with uh, Sonny Michelle and James White, and then you also have Rex Burkhead and Damian Harris as well. Who, I mean, for fantasy purposes, I don't really think that that's going to be too much. The only running back here that I am remotely interested in is James White. Yeah. 
and that is in, like I said, a seventh, eighth round sort of pick. Other than that, I'm not taking Sony Michelle. Um, he just had too many medical red flags for me to go and really invest. Uh, Damien Harris really needs to prove it. And Rex Burkhead is kind of nothing yeah. at this at this point. Um, so, yeah, the, uh, the Patriots backfield, it's not really one that inspires much confidence and should not really inspire much confidence for uh, fantasy owners. Yeah, and I guess we kind of already talked about the receivers, but they uh, also have some promising tight ends, I would say, maybe. Sure. Uh, Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keene, great name on the first on uh, Asiasi also. Yeah, two rookies. Although, unfortunately, that means so-so in Spanish. So hopefully it doesn't mean... <laughs> look, look at you. I, my, name is, my name is Adam Castor. I am a radio professional. And I also am a bilingual master. Listen, you, we were in the same Spanish class. You know damn well that I am not bilingual. C. C. I'm barely monolingual. C. But otherwise, is there anybody else you want to talk about before we move on to the uh, AFC East champions in 2020? Um. I could. I would say also that this could be an interesting spot. I don't want to speculate anything because, I mean, I have heard nothing about this. So this is just me just rambling off the cuff here. Uh, this could be an interesting landing spot if the Patriots want to go this way to potentially sign Delaney Walker. Ooh, that would be an interesting uh, signing. It, they, need a, they need a tight end. There's, they have two rookies there right now. They also have Matt Lacoste, who... I don't think anybody is really trusting trusting Matt Lacoste to be the go-to tight end option in New England. You bring in Delaney Walker there. I understand that his uh, his health concerns are vast, to put it mildly. He's also been around forever. Exactly. He had that uh, that ankle injury at the end of the season. Thirty-five years old. It could be something that the Patriots are interested in. Maybe. I don't know. Just just speculating. Yep. Well, actually, that's a good segue because uh, the New York Jets recently signed a former San Francisco 49er from the bad years, and that's Frank Gore. They did. Yes, they did. Franklin and, Gore. And uh, Frank Gore is only there to get the rushing record, I think. That's my that's my <laughs> thing. Or at least – well, not he's probably not going to catch Emmett, but he's going to be up there. Well, at this rate, knowing how much Adam Gaze loves Franklin Gore and how much he hates Le'Veon Bell, Frank Gore could be the starter of the New York Jets in week one, and I don't think anybody would be surprised. Don't even get me started. <laughs> don't even. Don't even. Let's, oh, God. let's start off with, uh, with Samwell, Sam, Sam Darnold. The he, apple of your eye? Yeah. You just have a ripe smile on your face. I, I wish it was a video portion of this podcast because Adam just said Sam Darnold and he had smiled just bigger than any point in this episode put together. I do, I do enjoy one Sam Darnold. Truly I, beautiful to say. You know, I, I said Russell Wilson. Duh, nobody does more with less than Russell Wilson, but actually I'm going to have to rescind that and say that Sam Darnold does a lot with, with little. In a... Because if, if you see in the throws that he's made – no, he's not better 
He's not better. That's not what I'm saying. Bird. Now I really wish there was a video portion of this podcast because I could there's a look on your face. Sam Donald does more with little than Russell Wilson? I'm well, I'm being like a little facetious. But he does a lot with not a lot. He does well with he he did pretty well with a patchwork offensive line and a patchwork receiving core and a lot of injuries. My blood pressure is up. He did better than than a lot of people would have thought, considering his supporting cast. He's not better than Russell Wilson. That's I not was what I'm say, saying. I, I was going to say the only thing that Sam Darnold probably is better at than Russell Wilson is kissing pretty ladies. We're, they, we're not doing this. Why not? Sam Darnold has, has an infatuation for pretty women. Let's just say he has an infectious personality. That was funny. That was funny. I'll 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 give you that one. That was that was very funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. He Oh, we need to finish talking about the Jets so we can be done. <laughs> yeah. So Sam Darnold for fantasy, I don't think he's gotten there yet. He's definitely uh done done pretty well. They have the, the uh, retooled offensive line. Hopefully, Adam Gaze doesn't stop hating Le'Veon Bell or something. I, w- I wouldn't count on that. I, w- I don't because I don't know why, well, Adam Gaze didn't bring him in. That's why. Yeah, he's not, he's not an Adam Gaze guy. So, and I mean, the receiving core is unproven outside of Jameson Crowder. Quincy Nunwa is probably done with, unfortunately. He, uh, the last surviving member of the Idzik 12, actually. True. This is very true. And uh, aside from Jamison Crowder, you also have uh, second-round pick Denzel Mims, who has the potential to be really good. Uh, two solid tight ends in Chris Herndon and Ryan Griffin. And you have, like, a kind of relatively crowded running back room. For the Jets, you have Le'Veon Bell, of course, Frank Gore, and their uh, rookie, LaMichael P. Ryan. I think Sam Darnold is in for a potential breakout year. There, there's just something that... that also, how could you forget Brashad Perriman as well? Of course. How could you forget Brashad Perriman? The Robbie Anderson replacement. Of course. I, I really think that Sam Darnold is in for a breakout year. Uh, I, I do. I know that he's still 23 years of age. He's got a lot of time left. But the Jets have to make a decision on Sam Donald and his fifth-year option next season. So this is a – I don't want to say it's a make-or-break year for Sam Donald because it's not, but it's a big year for Sam Donald. He's only played in 13 games both seasons, 2018 and 2019. Of course, last year he had the bout with Mono, so we can give him a reasonable pass on that one. But you look at the numbers for Sam Donald – He's had high interception ratios the last two seasons of his career. Yes. 15 in 2018, 13 in 2019. You can contribute that to a lot of things. You could say it was a terrible off- two terrible offensive lines, which are both very true. You there, were some was- yeah, there were some interceptions where I think you could just blame Sam. For oh, those. you could 100% count. I think 
what I've watched enough of Sam Darnold in the second half of la- of last season. He th- the the amount of interceptions, the amount of like long drives. They were like, oh, so uh, yeah, we're at the five, and uh, Sam Darnold threw an interception in the red yeah. zone again. Yeah, and it's just like, what the fuck? I mean, the amount. The, the thing with Sam Darnold that I saw on film that really kind of, I don't want to say soured me on Sam Darnold because it's not it, but he has this thing that he does where it's, it's hard to really explain, but he locks in on a guy and he does not go through his progressions at all. He knows where he's throwing the ball the second that he takes the snap and he doesn't go through his reads. He will zero in on Jamison Crowder in the slot, and he'll throw Jamison Crowder in the slot. He'll zero in on Robbie Anderson on the outside, and he'll throw to Robbie Anderson. You know what's weird? Now that you say that, I can kind of see. I I can see it. That's where, that's that's the Sam Darnold. Because it's like there were there were a couple times where you had receivers that were like pretty open, right? And Sam didn't throw throw to them. Exactly. Because he just doesn't see him. He does not make those reads like a proper quarterback should as of yet. He's only 23 years old. He's very, very, very young. He's literally our age. Exactly. That's terrible to say. I know. I think Sam Darnold, I expect him to be a 3,500-yard passer this year, pending health. And I expect him to be a 20-touchdown quarterback. I think he is more than capable of being that. And I think if Sam Darnold can be that guy for the Jets, I think the Jets can potentially sneak in as a wildcard team in the AFC and with that seventh seed. Yep, definitely. I think, I mean, also Sam Darnold, I mean, this is could be attributed to the uh, patchwork offensive line, but he he has a bit of a, you know, running ability. He got a couple of rushing touchdowns last year as well. Yeah. In, ter- in terms of fantasy, though, I, I am not – taking Sam Darnold in a redraft. I would take him in a two QB. Of course you take him, you have him in dynasty. Great. But in a redraft sort of league where it's one quarterback only, you're not taking Sam Darnold. You're right. Also, I mean, let's be real. The strength of schedule is not good. No, they have, they have the 24th ranked strength of schedule for quarterbacks in the national football league. That is the eighth hardest. I mean, it's the same thing. You have to face the Dolphins, Bills, and Patriots all twice. That's six games against six great defenses. You're facing the AFC West also about three and a half, like three or four great defenses. The NFC West, three or four great defenses. And then, oh God, who else? I think we're playing the Bengals. Browns. Browns. Oh, God damn it. Jets never. Close. Same Ohio team. Same Ohio team. Uh, The Jets never beat the Browns. And then. It's at home though. Yeah. And it's it's week 16. Oh, well, still. I don't know. And then. Hey, you may need it to get into the playoffs. And then week 17. Week 17. Don't worry about it, Adam. Don't worry about it. You know what you play week 17? Uh, Do we have to go to Foxborough again? Oh, man. You do every fucking time to potentially get into the playoffs. You have to go to Foxborough. We haven't won in Foxborough in litter in over ten years. We haven't won in Foxborough fun, in twelve years. Fun. Gonna have some fun. What? Well, actually, no, that's not true. 
We ended up, in the regular season. We haven't won in Foxborough in twelve years. Oh yes, yeah. You 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 don't go to Foxborough and win. No. But that was with Tom Brady. Not a lot of people do. That was with Tom Brady. I'll but tell you what. Gonna, we're gonna see how good Bill Belichick is. I mean, it's not like he won two Super Bowls without Tom Brady. I know. When he was, I know. Bill Belichick is France. fucking amazing. Come on, Adam. You could say it. You could say it. He won a Super Bowl with Jeff Hostetler. I mean, you got to be good to do that. Say it with me. Say it with me. Repeat after me. Bill. Bill. Belichick. Belichick. Is. Is. Amazing. A cheater. (laughs) You are a lost cause. Can we talk about the Roddy Max plays? Yes. Well, we sort of of did. You know, uh, uh, Le'Veon Bell, Frank Gore, and Michael P. Ryan. Okay. Okay, so really we're talking about Le'Veon Bell. That was really this is really the conversation that I wanted to have. Yeah. Where the hell are you taking Le'Veon Bell? Uh fifth round, probably. Wow! Wow! Yowie, wowie. He's not a starting running back. He's probably a flex for me. Wow. Do you root for this team, please, Bird? Please explain yourself. Do you root for this team? Do you understand? I don't. This is why I'm asking you. You are the Jets expert. Please, please explain yourself. You flatter me. I just, I just don't trust Le'Veon Bell. With the amount of time he had a down, not only did he have a down season last year, but clearly Adam Gaze doesn't want him there. Fair. And clearly Adam Gaze isn't utilizing Le'Veon Bell in the way that Le'Veon Bell should be utilized in the sense that it was basically either runs up the middle or halfback sweep to the right. And that was it. Also fair. And so maybe you could, you could attribute that to the offensive line because I mean, it's a, it's a very good scapegoat for a lot of Jets fans that we we've been doing it for years. And because you, as you know, Le'Veon Bell is a patient running back who likes to wait a little bit behind the offensive line to find the hole. And when yes. your offensive line is porous, you there's no time to wait. You you just either go or you get creamed. Porous is a way of putting it. Yeah, non-existent is another way of putting it. True. But now with the with this makeover, I think Le'Veon Bell is going to be better. But I have been burned too much by this franchise to trust Le'Veon Bell or any, I mean, to trust Le'Veon Bell to be a starter. That's just me though. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you some, some names here. Would you rather have Le'Veon Bell or Leonard Fournette? I'd rather have Leonard Fournette. I would have Leonard Fournette as well. Le'Veon Bell or Todd Gurley? Hmm. I'd rather have Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. So I know Le'Veon Bell is going to play. Yes. Do I have Le'Veon Bell or Melvin Gordon? I'd rather have Le'Veon Bell. I'd rather have Melvin Gordon. And we'll talk about Melvin Gordon. Le'Veon Bell or Chris Carson? Mm, I'd rather have Chris Carson. I'd rather have Chris Carson as well. Okay. So you, he's kind of like in the uh, the bottom of tier three, top of tier four. Sort of range. I think in, P- in PPR, he offers a pretty safe floor. I don't think Le'Veon Bell is going to have, you know, explosive blow-up games, you know, sort of 30-point games that he used to in Pittsburgh. 
but can he be a safe guy? Gets you 15 points? Sure he can. Yeah. I mean, that's just like a personal thing for me. Fifth round. Wow. It's a personal thing for me. Very personal, clearly. I just Fuck. I just uh, I have trust issues with the Jets. I could see that. It's yeah. But I I don't I I won't let that stop other people from drafting Le'Veon Bell as like a as a, like a running back too. Because he could definitely be a running back too. Like a like a mid tier running back too in his day, on his day. I, I think he is a he's an elite pair up option where if you're taking a McCaffrey, if you're taking a Elliot, if you're taking a Barkley and you need a running back to pair up with the top running back that you just took in the first round in the back end of the second, I think Le'Veon Bell is an elite option that you can go and get to pair up with those explosive guys. Le'Veon Bell then offers you that floor. So He's going to be a very, very safe option every single week, I feel like. Well, the other nice thing is that Le'Veon Bell doesn't really have a lot of like competition anymore. True. Because very true. Bilal, because Bilal Powell got a fair amount of carries. True. Uh, last Maybe year. it's Frank Gore's job. Maybe Franklin Gore's next Bilal Powell. Nobody can be Bilal Powell. Oh, not even, not even Franklin Gore? No. A, sure, a surefire Hall of Famer that, could, that will be going in as a former New York Jet into Canton, Ohio, is nowhere near Bilal Powell? No, I'm just saying he can't be because oh, okay. they're, different, they're different players. They're different kinds of players. Can we talk about your pass catchers, please? Yes. Your terrible pass catchers? They're not all terrible. Uh, I don't want anybody in this offense that catches passes except Jamison Crowder. Really? Well, I think the, the fact that Chris Hernan is healthy and not, on, and not suspended doesn't help. Ryan Griffin, but mm, it kills Ryan Griffin. Yeah, when you're running with two tight ends, J- Jamison Crowder is the only guy that I want. He is the only guy that I'm comfortable with taking. And even then, I would not look at Jamison Crowder until the maybe eighth round. Yeah. Well, you're not. I, I people shouldn't expect Robbie Anderson out of Rashad Perryman. Also, no, 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 no. And I think that um, I mean, there's potential that Denzel Mims can can uh, be really good in this offense. But as far down the line, as, yes, yeah, as line, far absolutely. as like safe picks, I think Jamison Crowder is definitely the safest. I agree. In P- yeah. in PPR, absolutely. Who do you think starting? If the if the Jets don't, as far as tight ends are concerned, who do you think they're going to start Ryan Griffin because of the rapport with Sam Darnold? I think they, they start, start Ryan Kirk? Griffin. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I absolutely would. You got Wally Pipped. Chris Herndon did. Wally P. Chris Herndon to get Wally Pipped. Yes. Yeah. So thank you for listening to the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. You can find all episodes of the Basement Talk Podcast. All of our spinoffs are on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. All of them. All of them. That's a, that's a capital. All caps. All. Bold. All. Italicized and underlined. All of them are on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And the name is just under the Basement Talk Podcast, all in one place for you to listen to. 
And please leave us a five-star review and tell us all about how much you think Tyreek Hill is going to be a 2,000-yard receiver. Yes, please. Please bombard my DMs, please. And a little programming note as well. Um, The regular Basement Talk podcast is coming back tomorrow night, Tuesday. We'll be recording with Brett, Tim, and Matt. I'll be on that. And then later this week, we will also have the Quizvitational, which if you have not checked out the Quizvitational, please do. If you haven't checked out the regular Basement Talk podcast, please definitely do that because Adam did fill in very admirably during this time of craziness with COVID and all, and all this nonsense. And now he's lucky enough where we get to do a fantasy show together again. But the normal crew will be back for the Basement Talk podcast, the original, the one that started it all. And then the Quizvitational which is a quiz show that goes off the rails at all times. We'll be back later this week. We've been talking about doing the quiz rotation now for what seems like forever. And it just has not worked out where we can get schedules to line up. But we will have the quiz rotation this week. That is a promise. All right. For my co-host, Ed Birdsall, I'm Adam Castro, and we will talk to you next time on the Basement Talk Podcast. Bye-bye. Oh.